The Roman orator and senator Cicero remained so renowned for his eloquence in constructing a speech, we still in the English language have an adjective to describe elegant speech, Ciceronian. In one of his uh, orations, the Pro Caelio, he does an exquisite job of setting up an argument for which only he can benefit, or his side comes out triumphant. His defendant, or the person on whose behalf he is speaking, Caelius, was a young up-and-comer Roman politician who was coming from a lower class. And Cicero sets up in this speech how in, Roman wor- in the Roman world the aristocracy looks out for and brings up these young men into positions of power. Just as Cicero himself, who came from a lower class, was guided and nurtured by those who are from a higher class. And he gets to a certain point about a quarter of the way through the speech where he lays out this family, the Clodius family, and in particular a woman in the family, Clodia, how they should be taking care of and treating Caelius. And he has this string of questions. And you get to the end of these questions and the reader is just right there with Cicero. The answer shouldn't just be yes to all of these questions, but absolutely. In what you've laid out, yes, this is the way he should be treated. This is the way this woman should be in relationship to Caelius. And Cicero, who is renowned for his extravagantly long sentences, responds to these rhetorical questions with a two-word response. Nihil eorum. She is none of these things. Everything that she should have been in relationship to Caelius, Cicero is arguing she is none of those things. That is damning. That is really condemnatory. And I bring this up not because I want to go into the long and wonderful eloquence of Ciceronian uh, orations, though that is exciting for me and I'd be happy to talk with you about that later. But I bring this up because so often in our life we can construct a narrative about who God is when he is in fact none of those things. Today, we celebrate the solemnity of the Most Holy Trinity, where we recognize that God is totally, completely, incomprehensibly other than us. It's easy to say that God is a sunset, or God is other people, or as a lot of young people say, oh, I can find God better in the mountains than I can in the Eucharist, when in fact God is none of these things. God is so much more. In the Trinity, we recognize that God is one, one in essence, but three in persons. This is incomprehensible because anything else is both one in essence and one in persons. Never more than one of those things. And yet God is one and three. Not only that, but when we talk about God, we must talk about divine simplicity. What does this mean? Anything that is attributed to God is God. God does not have constitutive parts. So when we talk about the three persons of the Trinity, we're not talking about three distinct parts of God. We're just talking about who God in his essence is. When God is spoken of as omniscient, it doesn't mean that God has learned something or that God acquires knowledge or could lose knowledge. It means that God is knowledge. In fact, so simple is God that his existence is his essence. 
To be is who God is. To quote God himself speaking to Catherine of Siena, St. Catherine of Siena, God said to her, I am he who is, you are she who is not. For us, everything about us is contingent. We depend on something, someone else, and in particular God, for our existence. God alone does not need anything else for his existence. He simply is. Now, why does this matter for us? Why do we, the Sunday after Pentecost, celebrate this wonderful solemnity of the Most Holy Trinity? Well, it's because this God who is incomprehensible, this God who is beyond anything in this world, this God who creates this world, holds this world in being, this God who is relation, this God who is love, this God who is essence and being itself, loves you, has a plan for you, has revealed his true self to you. We can know that there is a God through natural reason, but God through revelation, through scripture, through revelation starting with Abraham and into Moses and by revealing his full divine self in Jesus Christ has revealed himself because he has a plan for you, because he loves you, because he alone is your happiness. And he wants to show you his face. As incomprehensible as it is, He wants you to see it, to live with it, to strive after it. And he gives you a way forward. Just as God himself is simple, the way to follow God is simple. And what do I mean by that? We have to strip away everything. We have to go before God as we truly are. And because of what he has given us in baptism, you are most essentially his beloved son, his beloved daughter. That's who you are. If there is anything else that qualifies your life other than beloved son or beloved daughter, your life is a lie. God alone is the one who gives meaning and purpose to our life. When we see ourselves before God, when we offer our life as a radical gift to this incomprehensible other, we start to give meaning to the things that are in our life to our jobs, to our careers, to our relationships. We can even be as audacious as St. Paul and say we even boast of our afflictions. When I know myself in the radical other, when I find myself there and only there, even my afflictions, my sufferings, my pains, all of these difficult things, oppressions that get put down on me, from creation, from culture, from friends, from relationships. Now they have meaning. They have ultimate meaning. They lead me to Christ. They lead me to holiness. They lead me to peace and joy and love. Our self is found, who we truly are, in the other. This is why throughout the history of Christianity, We have held marriage between a man and a woman to be so sacred because it images in its own beautiful way this God who is relation, this God who is love. In marriage, the husband pours himself out totally into the other, to the wife, 
The wife pours herself totally into the other, the husband, and in so finding himself or herself in the other, in the person who is in a way opposite, new life is created. New opportunities, new joys are made possible. And this is the life that God has in store for each of you, regardless of your vocation, regardless of your state in life. He asks you to look upon him, to find him, to seek him as he truly is, the incomprehensible other. And in so doing, to find yourself, to breathe new life into this world, to find holiness and happiness, the only source that will last forever. God, who reveals himself as Father, desires for you to know him as such. God, who reveals himself as Son, wants you to know that he who came into this world and adopted you through his redempting suffering on the cross sees you as his brother, as his sister. And God, who has revealed himself as Holy Spirit, what Jesus said in the, go- in the gospel today, who will come and tell all, has united himself to your very soul, has given you the opportunity to always endure, to persevere, to know, and to love God. Your greatest self is in God, in this incomprehensible other, who is love, who is relationship, who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Search for him who is desperately searching, who has revealed himself so that you might know him, so that you might know him now, and so that you might live with him forever in heaven.